All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman. Today, we're talking about Jalen Mayfield moving inside to guard and whether or not that will help solve the team's offensive line issues. Or will we have to rely a little bit more on Arthur Smith's play calling to mask that? And we'll get Arthur Smith's thoughts on his plans for whether or not we'll get to see this offensive line gel with Matt Ryan this Saturday in the second preseason game against the Miami Dolphins. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So guys, you know me, I'm Aaron Freeman, been covering the Falcons for many years, formerly at falcfans.com, RIP, still going strong on Twitter at falcfans, and of course, the host of this preeminent Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode of Locked On Falcons is brought to you by the Locked On Fantasy Live show this Wednesday on August 18th. If you have fantasy football questions that you need answered before your draft, don't miss the Locked On Fantasy Live on Wednesday, August 18th at 9 p.m. Eastern, streaming on the Locked On NFL YouTube page. Subscribe now so that you don't miss it. Locked On's stable of fantasy experts will answer your questions live, or you can submit them ahead of time to the Locked On Network Twitter handle. That's at Locked On Network on Twitter. So, guys, today's episode, we're going to be talking about the two roster moves. We'll kick things off with the two roster moves that the Falcons needed to make on Monday in order to get under the 85-man roster limit. We'll talk about Jalen Mayfield moving inside to left guard position really for the first time this summer after getting some work there post-draft, but largely spending the last several weeks and months working primarily as a right tackle and what that means for the Falcons' offensive line, if that's going to lead to success for this offensive line, fixing some of the interior offensive line problems will identify sort of why that is such an important uh, issue for this team moving forward. We'll talk quite a bit about the value of play action, which may mitigate some of the concerns that we have for this Falcons offensive line this upcoming season. And then we'll talk quite a bit about sort of Arthur Smith's plan, voicing his opinion on what the plan is this Saturday in the Falcons preseason action against the Miami Dolphins, given that the team is going to be holding joint practices with the Dolphins uh, down in Florida this week on Wednesday and Thursday, and whether or not we're going to see a little bit more of these Falcons starters, including possibly Jalen Mayfield, as well as some of these other guys on the interior offensive line uh, on Saturday's game or not the case. So we'll, we'll get into this sort of, Wise and, and house on that at the end of today's episode, but we'll start things off talking about the two cuts that the Falcons made on Monday. They cut undrafted free agent guard Bryce Hargrove from the most illustrious university, the University of Pittsburgh, as well as outside linebacker George Abena. And those moves were to get the Falcons, I think, down now down to 84 players. I previously said that the cuts that they made on Saturday got them down to 85, but that was my bad. I was uh, factoring in. I wasn't counting Matt Gano, uh, who's on the pup list. Uh, on the roster then, but guys on the pup list do count towards the 90 man roster limit. So now the Falcons are under the 85 man limit that they need to get to uh, by Tuesday afternoon at 4 PM Eastern time. So they're good to go. Or now they're, I think at 84, if my count is now actually accurate 
and they can wind up signing a player at this point in time. So we'll see what happens there. But the Falcons were back on practice on Monday, and today Jalen Mayfield was working behind Josh Andrews at that left guard position. Mayfield working with the second team offense. Basically, we really haven't seen or heard Mayfield getting that work inside at guard since May and June, uh, as since then he's been filling in at right tackle for Kayla McGarry, but now McGarry is back taking the majority of the first team snaps, at least on Monday, according to Mike Rothstein of ESPN with Willie Beavers getting some light work with the starters at right tackle as well. Now with Mayfield back at left guard, we'll have to sort of see if he winds up being the quote unquote savior there. Since we're once again, talking about the original major concern for the Falcons up front, the Willie Beavers ascendancy is now over. Um, the Willie Beaver stagnation, I guess, is, is the sequel to the uh, Willie Beavers, the breakthrough novel, Willie Beavers Ascendancy. Um, and so hopefully we won't hear too much about Willie Beavers uh, moving forward. And that's not necessarily a knock on Willie Beavers. It's just we hope that Jake Matthews is healthy. We hope that Kayla McGarry is healthy and, and shows growth in year three that we're hoping for. And so the Falcons offensive tackle position becomes a non-issue for the next five months. And Willie Beavers or Jason Spriggs, whoever winds up being that sort of swing tackle behind those two guys, you know, is basically a non-issue. And so any talk of Willie Beavers that we had last week and we had quite a bit of it, you know, was just simply a distraction at the time from the real issue at hand, which is that interior offensive line. That was the main issue in the going into the offseason, where back in February you heard me talk quite a bit about the potential of the Falcons making a big splurge in free agency by signing a guard like Joe Tooney. That was the talk going into the draft. That was the talk coming out of the draft that was the main concern entering training camp um and so the reason why the offensive the interior offensive line in particular was the main concern is because that has been a weakness for this falcons offense for the past few years we talked quite a bit in these last couple of years especially about matt ryan's inability to handle pressure particularly well he has not been as good at that these last two years in particular than he was in previous years thanks to a tendency to get happy feet and for those unfamiliar with that term happy feet it's kind of hard to describe but you kind of know it when you see it but it's kind of like seeing ghosts it's kind of where the clock in your head gets sped up it speeds up your process so rather than sort of being that poised and decisive player in the pocket that we know matt ryan can be he tends to get a little bit more antsy or or erratic in the pocket and that can lead to mistakes and taking sacks and, and missing reads and whatnot and we've talked about how matt ryan's lack of comfort during those moments and lack of comfort the particularly last couple of years you know, stems in part, not fully, but in part due to the subpar play calling from Dirk Cutter calling plays these last two years in particular. We know that Matt Ryan is a creature of comfort. If he's comfortable with the play calling and comfortable with the receivers getting open and he's comfortable with the protection in front of him, you're going to get the best version of Matt Ryan. Uh, but once you start to weaken or break one of those chain, one of those links in the chain, you know, things can start to go sideways. And obviously we've spent a ton of time talking about one of those links in particular, the play calling in relation to Dirk Cutter versus Arthur Smith versus Sark and, and Kyle Shanahan going back years. But we also know that one of the other concerns we have is the receivers because we have some new faces like Kyle Pitts coupled with some guys that are f- 
filling new roles like Calvin Ridley and, and Russell Gage and Alameda Zacchaeus, Hayden Hurst. All these guys are sort of moving up the depth chart, getting a lo- much bigger piece of the pie this upcoming season. Thanks to the departure of Julio Jones, who's long been Matt Ryan's sort of security blanket in this offense. And is why in the past, when you've seen these instances in these seasons and games where Matt Ryan does not necessarily look comfortable with the play calling, he has a tendency to sort of start staring down and forcing the ball to Julio Jones, which is contributing to the limitations that the off Falcons offense has shown in previous years, where you ideally you want this offense to be a pick your poison type of offense where they can spread the ball around. And Matt Ryan can sort of be this John Stockton level distributor, getting 15 assists a game to multiple different scores. Uh, and it makes the Falcons offense harder to defend. And, you know, we go back to the last couple of times when he's had a new play caller going back to Kyle Shane and Sark and Dirk Cutter, things have not been great for him because he hasn't had that comfort level. And you're sort of now removing the security blanket that he had, even in those instances, forcing the ball to Julio Jones in those particular years in 2015, 2017, and 2019. And you're removing that from the equation now with Arthur Smith as a first time play caller. But, you know, the narrative in regards to Arthur Smith is that that issue is a thing of the past, given Matt Ryan's familiarity with the scheme and all these various things. The narrative was that Julio Jones was old and washed. So, that, you know, losing him is not going to be a big deal. But I do think the one legitimate concern that even the most devout narrative pushing Falcon fans would admit uh, was the offensive line in terms of that uh, chain that we're referring to. And we know that Matt Ryan isn't necessarily known for his mobility, regardless of, you know, whatever next gen stats certain Falcon fans look to sort of throw out there Um, in his style of play. You know, he's going to play within the pocket and he wants to have a clean pocket to step up into. And that in particular, uh, when you have an interior offensive line, you need to have that stout interior offensive line in order for him to really step into his throws, push the ball down the field and feel comfortable within the pocket. Um, And, you know, that's a concern. For this Falcon team, not only because that's been a weakness in the past, but this particular season, you're going to face a ton of really high-level defensive tackles. Now, I've spent the last several months convincing you guys, oh, the Falcons have a soft schedule. Yeah, they have a soft schedule when you look at the quality of offenses and quarterbacks that they're facing this upcoming season. But when you flip the script and look at the quality of defenses they're facing, they have a very tough schedule this year. And all you got to do is just look at the interior defensive line, since that's what we're talking about, the the D tackles that they're facing this upcoming season. You go back to 2020 and look at pro football focus uh, pressures, right? And look at the top 20 interior defensive linemen, not named Grady Jarrett, because he was in the top 20. So we're not obviously going to be facing Grady Jarrett. But of those top 20 guys, right? The Falcons this upcoming season are facing 11 of those guys in terms of how many pressures they generated as interior defensive linemen last year. And eight of those 11 guys are going to be faced in the first five games of the season. Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave, Ndamukong Sue, William Ghoston, Leonard Williams, Jonathan Allen, Quinnen Williams, and John Franklin Myers. And that doesn't even include Vita Vea, who was on pace to be in that group, in that top 20 group, had he not been hurt last year. And so we'll just sort of have to see if Jalen Mayfield or whoever winds up uh, winning this left guard position. But in the case of Jalen Mayfield, whether moving to his quote unquote natural position, as some people believe it to be, uh, will help solve this issue that the Falcons are going to have to deal with this upcoming season. Longtime listeners know that I still, despite Jalen Mayfield moving to a position where he's better suited to play. I still am skeptical about his ability to make that transition to guard and particularly at the time scales that we're going to need him to 
in order to go up against some of these guys that we're going to face very early in the season, especially now that he's essentially, you know, if you want to say it this way, wasted three weeks at tackle those three weeks of reps that he could have been getting at guard that would have helped him prepare for this upcoming season. And now, of course, that also potentially throws cold water on the potential of Drew Dolman, his fellow rookie, uh, the fourth round center, potentially unseating Josh Andrews. So one of these guys is going to have to basically be our savior, or maybe the Falcons can find someone else at a later date. But, you know, we'll rehash what I said earlier this summer with Mayfield. To me, all he has, the bar he has to hit is basically James Carpenter. If he can hit that bar, which is pretty low bar, that's, that's all we need from him. You know, that's not the highest bar, but we can live with that. And we'll see sort of what Matt Hennessy, the other supposed starter on the interior offensive line, whether he can hit that bar, since I think those two guys right now are currently the two biggest question marks on the offensive line. But we'll talk a little bit about whether Arthur Smith as a play caller can help mitigate those concerns by dialing up a lot more play action passing on today's podcast. But before we get there, guys, I know that you're looking uh, for that edge to help you win your fantasy league this upcoming season. Of course, Vinnie Iyer of the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast will give you that daily edge. In addition to checking out Wednesday's live show, make sure you subscribe to the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. BetOnline gives you the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs. And there's no time like today to get started at BetOnline. College and pro football are just around the corner. You got NBA Summer League. And, of course, baseball season is in full swing. You can track all the action at BetOnline. Get real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Do you think Arthur Smith is going to win Coach of the Year? Matt Ryan MVP? Kyle Pitts Offensive Rookie of the Year? You can bet on all that with BetOnline. You can even bet on the over-unders on how many yards and touchdowns you'll see from Falcons like Ryan Pitts, Mike Davis, Calvin Ridley, and Russell Gage. To get in on that action, just head over to the website, use your mobile device to sign up today at betonline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Now, I know you guys are tired of all the doom and gloom that I'm saying on the podcast, right? Especially recently. But, uh, you know, I don't think the Falcons has Offensive line has to be great. It's just got to be good enough, right? And, you know, I think this is where you do get excited about Arthur Smith's scheme and play calling. And hopefully it can do a better job masking some of the concerns that the Falcons have up front. Because the idea is play calling or play action, I'm sorry, can help slow down some of these pass rushes. Now, when you look at the data league-wide in terms of how many pressures and sacks based off of what Pro Football Focus is throwing out there in terms of teams on play-action passes versus non-play-action passes, the difference isn't that substantial league-wide, right? It's about 1% to 2% difference in terms of the percentage of sacks and, and pressures that they're giving up, which is literally a handful of plays. But when we look at it specifically for Matt Ryan, these particularly these past couple of years, the difference is substantial. Like, for example, last year, Matt Ryan's sack rate on non-play action plays was two and a half times higher than it was on play action plays. And I think the reason why you get that disparity is owed to Matt Ryan's uh, exceptional decision-making um, at least the majority of time. Um, and the idea behind play action is, you know, and one of the reasons why it's so effective is because it's designed um, to use misdirection to primarily attack 
oftentimes the most vulnerable parts of an NFL defense, which typically is the intermediate middle of the field, that sort of void between linebackers and safeties, particularly in the classic West Coast version of the offense that we ran under Kyle Shanahan and now are expected to run under Arthur Smith. But one of the other aspects that makes play action so beneficial and why it's often used very valuably by teams that have young quarterbacks is that play option often simplifies reads. Often you'll see sort of those rollouts that are sort of a staple of this type of offense where you'll have a high low read where two wide receivers are running across the field as a quarterback is rolling to his right or rolling to his left off of that sort of stretch run play play action fake or whatever the case may be a classic sort of play. And that sort of high low read means basically you read the high guy, the, the further guy, the guy running the deeper route across the field downfield. And if he's open, you throw it. And if he's not, then you quote unquote, check it down to the underneath guy often in the flat, who's usually going to be wide open. And sort of these simple reads are very effective for young quarterbacks that don't have the experience, you know, scanning defenses. Um, And the other benefit, you know, all these types of plays are beneficial to the offensive linemen because offensive linemen can, you know, come off the ball pretending like they're run blocking, which can potentially mask deficiencies that they have going backwards in pass protection. And so the goal of the Falcons this year is going to be a team that ran play action about 26% of the time last year under Dirk Cutter in 2020 to an offense that should run play action 30% of the time based off of what Arthur Smith did in Tennessee, that number may be as high as 35% of the time. I think the Titans were 36% of the time last year. And maybe if Arthur Smith goes, especially ham, you know, it could be approaching 40% of the time, but play action does. And whether you you can't just call play action, every single play and think it's going to work. A lot of it is situational stuff. You know, a lot of play calling is situational stuff and play action. Isn't simply a cure on just magically fixes your offensive line. Cause more often than not, you're going to still have third downs and other obvious passing downs where you're still going to have to get back into a drop back passing game. Again, the vast majority of the time, right? And you're going to need your offensive lineman to hold up. And also if you're down two scores, defenses are going to be a little less prone to biting on play action, or at least in theory, you hope that a well-coached defense are not going to be dummies out there up 12 points and and biting on run action in the backfield because they know that teams are going to be more inclined to throw the football than not. But the point is that I think the offensive line doesn't necessarily have to be the team's Achilles heel on offense as much as many of us, including myself, are concerned it could wind up being if things don't come together. It just needs to be good enough, right, to not be that sort of weekly liability going up against some of the premier fronts that we're going to be facing, particularly early in the season. And if they can sort of get through that those first couple of games and, and, and come out of it strong, then obviously that will give us the confidence moving forward that these guys will be able to play at a high level. You know, hashtag good enough should probably be the new mantra that we use for quite a lot of different aspects and parts of this Falcons roster and team this upcoming season. You know, they don't have to be great. They just have to be good enough that we don't lose games. Right. But with the offensive line, that's a unit in particular that does need time to gel. And particularly because the bullets are going to really start flying early in the season. And we didn't really see that opportunity for this unit to start to gel, at least in a game, 
you know, this past week in the preseason action against the Titans, but hopefully we'll get to see some of that a little bit more of that this upcoming Saturday against Miami. But Arthur Smith said some things during his press conference on Monday that give me a little bit pause over whether or not we're going to see that. And the short of it is it seems like how much this work the starters are going to get on Saturday will be determined by how well they fare on Wednesday and Thursday in their joint practices against the Dolphins. And we'll get into the sort of the pros and cons of that approach as we continue today's Locked On Falcons podcast. But it can't always be about the pros because college football is back, guys. Just remember, as you're watching the Dolphins starters work over the Falcons back up this Saturday, it will be the last Saturday that you spend in misery this year because the Falcons don't have any Saturday games later this fall. But it's also the last Saturday before college football is back, baby. The Lockdown Podcast Network, of course, has you covered with a daily show devoted to your favorite team or conference. If you're a UGA fan, we got you with Lockdown Bulldogs, LSU fan, Lockdown LSU, Ohio State, Lockdown Buckeyes. If you just love the SEC or the Pac-12, Lockdown SEC, Lockdown Pac-12. And if you're not sure if your team is covered, head over to LockdownPodcast.com and check out over 40 shows on the college side of things. And when you find the one that you're looking for, subscribe to it wherever you get your podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto with ever increasing numbers of makes and models. It's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer when you already have a computer with access to rockauto.com at home or in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. You'll spend up to twice as much for the same parts when you order from a chain store or car dealership. Meanwhile, rockauto.com's prices are always reliably low for every customer rock auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years they have everything you need from brake parts tail lamps motor oil even new carpet go explore their easy to use website yourself today and find the solution to your auto parts needs go to rockauto.com right now see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in the how did you hear about us box so that they know we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com so are you tired of getting killed by daily fantasy sports experts don't play the experts play the house with stat hero stat hero is the first ever daily fantasy sports book that puts the player in control and winning within reach. Here's how it works. Stat hero shows you their lineups and dares you to beat them. It's you versus the house in a head to head fantasy matchup. You name your stakes winner. Take all you have the advantage that hero is showing you their lineups in the competition ahead of time. Pick the lineup. You think you can beat go head to head with no pool of opponents. Play stat hero now and change the odds. Go to stathero.com slash locked on sign up for free and you can get three times back on your first play. They're giving you a 300% match that's unheard of. All you got to do is go to stathero.com slash locked on stathero.com slash locked on. So on Monday, Arthur Smith said some things in his press conference, talking a little bit about the ongoing battle between AJ McCarron and Felipe Franks and how that applies to this upcoming preseason uh, Dolphins game. I'll play you the clip right now. So they're just, they're on different level. We'll assess at the end of the week and then we'll see. All right, who'll take the first half, who'll take the second half. Assuming we don't play Matt. But right now, the plan is to play both those guys again Saturday. Uh, but we're not going to make that determination. We may say, hey, we want to see a couple series out of Matt Ryan. But we'll let you guys know Thursday night. And then he was asked whether or not he was sort of comfortable, based off of what he just said, about you know his decision-making in terms of who's going to play in the starters uh, this upcoming week, based off of those Wednesday and Thursday practices and he had this to say but we got to make an honest evaluation and see how wednesday and thursday goes if it's bad then we got to do what's best for this team 
and make sure that you know everybody plays. So that that'll we'll make that determination Thursday night. So seemingly, my main takeaway from this is confirming that it will be the Browns game for the Falcons that will be the dress rehearsal game rather than this upcoming week. So with this being said, you know, with Arthur Smith talking about whether Matt Ryan is going to play, right? I have no problem with Matt Ryan not playing against Tennessee last week. Personally, I would have liked to seen some of the younger guys, the Chris Lindstrom, AJ Terrell, Zacchaeus, of course, Kyle Pitts play because I don't think any of those guys are proven guys, but you know, I can, I'm fine. And you know, I'm not losing any sleep over them, not playing against Tennessee, but I do feel like they should be playing in the second preseason game, even if it's just two series. Right. And going back to the point we made earlier about the offensive line, you kind of want to see them in live game against real NFL players where they have to deal with stunts and blitzes in a real game and make the adjustments and see how they handle that, you know, before you get to that Browns game. Right. You want to get as many opportunities for them to be able to handle those sort of quote unquote live fire situations uh, before the season starts. Correct. That's my assumption. And so one of the things I did go back because I was talking about this on Twitter and, and someone was basically saying it doesn't matter or anything like that. And Matt Ryan never plays in the first couple of preseason games. And I was like, well, I don't think that's true. Let's, you know, I looked it up and, you know, I looked at how many snaps Matt Ryan normally gets over the first two preseason games before that dress rehearsal game. And over the seven years of data that we have from pro football focus from 2013 to 2019, he's averaged about 26 and a half snaps across those first two games. And, you know, sometimes in those years, he did not play in the first game, but typically he played a little bit more in the second game to compensate for not playing in that first game. And so 26 and a half plays, if you figure your average series is going to be about five or six plays, that roughly is equivalent to about four or five series worth of playing time for Matt Ryan across the first two games. No, I'm not asking for Matt Ryan to play four or five series this week, although I wouldn't be against it. But, you know, we watched on Friday. One of the things I noticed on Friday was watching Matt Ryan sort of have the earpiece to hear the play calls because he's never really gotten play calls from this coaching staff. And so what he's doing is he's going through mental reps. He's trying to simulate what it's like to be in an actual game with this coaching staff, which is we know is brand new. And for me, like the way I figure it is, you know, what's better than mental reps, actual physical reps. And I know people are going to say, oh, Aaron, you're just complaining just to complain. Who cares? It's preseason. It doesn't matter. And, you know, I've heard that from some folks on Twitter already. I know people are going to be like, well, do you think, you know, do you think whether Matt Ryan plays like two series on Saturday is going to make that big a difference this upcoming season? No, that's not what I'm saying, guys. But do I think Matt Ryan needs reps? Right. I mean, using the term need. No, I don't think he needs reps, but I think he clearly wants reps based off of what we saw on Friday night. And I don't see why we're not giving it to him. I don't understand why the argument is made that getting him those reps is not beneficial to him. Here's how I see it. I think you go through this week of practice with the dolphins, you know, with the expectation that you're going to probably play your starters, at least one or two series on Saturday. And you make the adjustments based off of how they perform this upcoming week. If And then if they show improvement from where you assess them on Wednesday and Thursday to what they did on Saturday in an actual game, you know, that's great. That's awesome. That's what you want. And whatever else you find out during the course of that Saturday game that you figure, okay, well, we need to clean these couple of things up because there's always improvement guys that teams can make, right? No one's a finished product, especially not during this time of year. But whatever those improvements that you need to work on, you can work on those the following week before you build towards that dress rehearsal game. 
And I think you can then take lessons from that Cleveland game next week and then use that and implement that during the following two weeks as you get prepared for that week one game against Philadelphia. Now, my hope is that hearing Arthur Smith say these things, he's being a little cagey and noncommittal about what exactly the plan is. And maybe he is actually planning on playing those guys, but he's not necessarily ready to commit to that at this point in time. And let me be clear, this is not a hill that I'm prepared to die on. If Matt Ryan doesn't play on Saturday, even though I don't agree with it, it's not the end of the world to me. But for me, at least from my perspective, outside of him and maybe Calvin Ridley, who mostly I'm only listing him because he's recovering from an injury, or at least as recently recovering from an injury. I don't know if he's 100 percent. He says, you know, on Friday, he said, I'm good. But, you know, I don't know. Um, of course, he's going to say that. Um, but I think pretty much besides those two guys. Everybody else on both the offense and defense that's considered a starter should at least get some work on Saturday. And again, I know you're an NFL head coach. There's a delicate balance between trying to get your guys ready that, you know, are going to make the team, you know, for week one, right? We went into the summer probably perceiving over 30 guys. And depending on your count, maybe 32, 35 guys that you would probably sit here and say, or we're locks to make the team and barring injury. You know, your goal is to get those guys healthy to week one, right? And you want to try to balance that with the other 55 to 60 guys or whatever that are coming into camp that you don't know are going to stick this team. And you want to give them as many opportunities as you can to see what cream rises to the top so that the 20 or so guys that you need to earn roster spots have an opportunity to earn those roster spots. And even for the guys that don't wind up earning one of those roster spots, they at least get enough reps that maybe if they don't catch on with you, they can catch on with another NFL team elsewhere. And then, of course, you're dealing with the bigger issue that a lot of people worry about during the summer for obvious reasons is trying to keep your team healthy. And you're trying not to expose them to any unnecessary risks, if at all possible. And again, I know a lot of people perceive every single snap that occurs in the preseason as an unnecessary risk for a lot of these players. And I'm sure there's plenty of established players that also feel exactly that way. But again, we talked about this this past Saturday in regards to Dan Quinn towards the end of his tenure, particularly in 2018 and 2019 in um, teams. I think the balance, he didn't really strike a balance there. He veered the scales tipped heavily in favor of his goal of trying to keep guys healthy rather than necessarily the first two things of giving young players an or I mean, obviously by not playing starters, he was giving a lot of young guys opportunities that didn't necessarily always work out in the Falcons favor. Although guys like Jaden Graham and Jacob Tuity Mariner did emerge during those times. Um, Alameda Zacchaeus as well. So can't be too mad at Dan Quinn for that, but is it a coincidence that the Falcons got off to some pretty slow starts in those seasons? I don't know. You tell me. And I'm sure some of you are sitting there saying, well, Dan Quinn's defense were always or Dan Quinn's teams were always slow starters. Well, what if I told you from 2015 to 2017 in the month of September, the Falcons were eight and one. And then in 2018, when they seemingly, at least according to my narrative, if you buy into it, started caring less about getting guys ready and, and more about protecting guys from injury in 2018 and 2019, there's a record in September was two and six. Again, coincidence. I don't know. You tell me. And so when I look at this Arthur Smith regime, now that they're entering year one, it would make sense if we were in year four or year five, it was established coaching staff, established offense. You know, everybody kind of knows where they fit in. Everybody kind of knows how they handle this thing. It would be different if we were, you know, further down the line and Arthur Smith was taking this, a similar approach where he's seemingly sort of backing guys off. 
But in year one, I'm sitting here going like, what are we doing here, man? You got five new starters on offense with a new scheme and coaching staff. You have five new starters on defense with a new scheme and coaching staff. You know, even if it's just 10 plays that Matt Ryan gets on Saturday means that Matt Ryan can help establish a stronger rapport with some of these new guys like Kyle Pitts and some of the existing guys. Cause again, it's not like Matt Ryan has this sort of psychic connection with players like Russell Gage and Hayden Hurst at this point in time. And so, uh, uh, you know, I'm sitting here saying like, what are we doing? And like, I understand part of the reason why I think Arthur Smith wanted to do these joint practices. So he wouldn't have to play his guys in his second preseason game because he wanted to basically use these joint practice to effectively better simulate the game day experience than necessarily practicing against yourselves. I get it from that standpoint. That's the reason why they're doing it. Right. But at the same time, I'm sitting here going like when I heard about the Falcons having these joint practices, my initial reaction and thought process was, Oh, this is to simulate basically the absence of a fourth preseason game, not to essentially take the place of a second preseason game. But I I don't know. I'm going to wind up bargaining my way down from thinking that, you know, all 12 of the Falcons offensive starters should be playing on Sunday, including Matt Ryan or on Saturday, including Matt Ryan down to 10. Right. Cause I'm saying, okay, you know, Ryan and Ridley, you know, they don't have to play, but the other 10 guys have to play. And then eventually probably by the end of the week, I'll be down to two. And I'm like, just man, just give me some Kyle Pitts and Matt Hennessy. That's all I need, baby. You know, I got these cheeseburgers, man. But like beyond Arthur Smith possibly being an innovator and icon by being basically the only coach in the NFL that's refusing to play his starters during the preseason. You know, I just look around the league and I'm saying like, no one else is doing this. Tom Brady's getting preseason naps, whether we are talking about year 20, a couple of years ago in new England or year 22 now in Tampa Bay, he's playing in the preseason. Like what does Arthur Smith know that nobody else knows? I don't know, but enough about me complaining about Arthur Smith's decisions in preseason to play starters or not. Let's talk about the other interesting tidbit. Uh, that Arthur Smith said at first talking about AJ McCarron versus Felipe Franks. And he said they're on different levels, which to me, my interpretation of that is that the gap is not as small as I think probably a lot of people think it is based off of last Friday night's action against the Tennessee Titans. And, you know, Smith seems to be kind of reiterating the same things that I've touched upon since that game, which is like, it seems like a lot of, you know, it, again, I didn't play the clip, but if you go back and you, and you listened to the press conference and, and whatnot on YouTube, you can find it. You know, he was talking about the issues that both of those guys went through in that game. And he was kind of reiterating what I've been talking about, which is that a lot of McCarron's issues seem to be environmental, meaning that it was about the situation. It was about the supporting cast, basically not doing him any favors versus what Frank's was. And basically Smith saying, I quote, some things he has to clean up operationally. So we'll see if what Smith does this week in practice is going to help close that gap between him and McCarron. But like I said on previous podcasts, you know, I think you're going to have to see this notion of Frank's leapfrogging McCarron, unless McCarron really continues to struggle. And hopefully, hopefully he'll get a little bit more help on Saturday from some of the starters, or at least some of the second string guys. And unless we can see also Frank's show considerable growth over this week and, and next weekend, you know, I don't know if the competition for the backup quarterback behind Matt Ryan is as contested as probably some people perceive it to be or want it to be. But it is interesting to see Arthur Smith evaluating how McCarron and Franks played and looking for ways for those guys to improve, which is, you know, part of the evaluation process. And it's notable 
how that applies to guys, whether you're in first year in the NFL, like a Felipe Franks or year eight, like an AJ McCarron. And I'm just wondering maybe if that same process applies to guys that are in year 14. Hmm. Wonder if we have any of those guys, you tell me, you can tell me by hitting me up on Twitter at locked on Falcons on Facebook at locked on Falcons, or you can send an email to locked on Falcons at mail.com. But before you fire off that angry email, what if I, you know, hooked you eyes up with a little bit of money? Well, it's not going to be me hooking you up. It's handicapping expert Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports, who joins host your boy Q daily on the Lockdown Bets podcast, brought to you by betonline.ag. Get those daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite, and Lee's lock of the day by following the Lockdown Bets podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, guys. Appreciate it. Till then.